Joey Hates Movies. We can do a take two still. We don't need to. Okay, fine. Uh, I'm Coral. And I'm Nick. And I'm Joey. And I hate movies. You are the titular hater of movies. (laughs) Apparently. I wonder if I can put this on my LinkedIn profile yet. Not yet. You got to get to all 50 episodes 50 before you episodes. can do that. Oh, fuck. That's 50 movies. Yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot mm-hmm. of hate. Do you hear echo? Am I echoing? No. I don't no? hear an echo. Okay. I, I just wanted to make sure that I just want to make sure that I sound okay. Yeah, you sound okay. Because mm-hmm. I want to convey to everyone that I do not like movies. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Well, today we're not talking about all movies. We're talking about the movie Seven by David Fincher. So I guess we should start by asking you, Joey, what you thought this movie would be before you had watched it? I thought that the movie 7 was like uh, was like that video game 13. Where okay. there was just a bunch of colorful characters. Cell shaded. You're an assassin. Yeah. <laughs> a, 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 lot of, a lot of crazy music, and it's about a lot of big, gruesome deaths. Okay. And there's seven of them. I mean, you're pretty close there. Yeah. I mean, I, I realize that that's better now, but before I really thought it was more like a video game. Really? What yeah. made you think it was a video game? Just because, because the name the, is a number? The, the name's a number. Okay. <laughs> they never quite told me why, because the number seven doesn't really look like a V. <laughs> yeah, I've always wondered that with the title. It's a, it's a V on its side. But, well, how is that? You have relevant? to rotate it, like, almost 180 degrees to get uh, yeah, and an eight is a B, but you don't really see that all too often. No, I mean it's it's probably a poor choice. How do you write sevens? Do you do you cross in the middle? No, no absolutely not. Oh well, I do because I'm not weird. I think that means you are weird. Yeah. No, I mean maybe in this context where I'm the odd person. I feel out, like John but Doe. I think that it's you. John Doe definitely does the little like dash in his sevens for sure. It would be the proper way to write a seven. <laughs> because then, like, if you had a sloppy seven, it could be a one. But if you put that dash there, there is no mistaking it. That's why you should also always put the cross in your zero. Mm. How the, do you write your lowercase a's, though? Do you do it like how it would be in a normal typeface? Or do you just do a circle with a line next to it? A circle with a line next a sen- to it? That's essentially how most people would do a lowercase I'm gonna, a. I'm going to write one. This is not good. For, this is not good for podcasting. Uh, Carl, you tell Where do you start? Where do you start? What do I do? That's that's a circle with a, a dash essentially next to it. As opposed to like a typeface A that is a a large curve oh, and then okay. a little circle below the curve. That's only in cursive. You only do that in cursive. No, <laughs> a cursive lowercase a is isn't that either. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> Type a letter A. Uh, yeah, you're right. This isn't good for a podcast. <laughs> Look at that A. The Amazon logo A. Oh. yeah. Anyone who writes their lowercase A's like the Amazon logo. They are Jeff Bezos. Also bad. <laughs> so in order to have the best writing possible, you need to cross your sevens and also not write A's like it's an Amazon logo. What about your ones? Those could be confused for I's or L's. Well, well, ones always have always have the the the, they have the a little, base. The little the whole hat thing. at the top thing. of the base. You do oh. the base? Yeah, that's exhausting. Uh, that's weird, dude. It's quick. Writing's quick. I don't understand why. <laughs> like, you should put you should put thought into your writing. Cross your zeros. Make your bases for your ones. Cross your sevens. I don't cross really... your lowercase z's too. No, no. you don't no. know if they're s's. You yeah. if you are drawing a z correctly, it doesn't look like an s. Yeah. at all. At all. Not even a little bit. Yeah. You have no idea. It, it doesn't could, even go the same direction. It could be, a, what if your paper got rotated and you were trying to write an N? 
I just I just don't handwrite things anymore, and that seems to solve most of these problems. Yeah, there you go. Having a pen is super essential. Dude, you know who does write a lot? Who? John Doe. Yeah. In the film Dude, Seven. Two thousand oh. notebooks. <laughs> <laughs> before okay, before we dive into a quick plot rundown, I'm curious if you were familiar with the box scene at all. If that was a, a cultural touchstone that you were aware of. No. You, oh, wow. So, oh. I have such a vivid memory before I ever even saw the movie of Brad Pitt yelling, what's in the box? I think that uh, there might be a couple small instances where it may have gone over my head, but by and large, I can't think of any times where that was either pointed out or explained to me or mm. I didn't get a thing and I feel like it just never, never crossed my, my mind. That sound, I feel like that sound bite should have or would have been used in more things, but it really doesn't cross my cross my radar. Ever? I feel like I said it several times at the attack just because I was like, oh, they made a box. That's fun. Yeah. I'm going to say what's in the box. Yeah. I mean, the phrase what's in the box is a naturally occurring phrase yeah. sometimes, and I always have to reference. And then I just it. think of sad, mad Brad Pitt. Yeah. <laughs> Was he sad? Was he mad? Yeah, I would yes. say it was both of those things. <laughs> <laughs> we might be getting too deep. Do you want to actually explain what Seven is? Because it is sure. not a video game. No, it's not. Uh, Seven is a movie from 1995 by David Fincher that is about two detectives. You have Detective Somerset, who is played by Morgan Freeman, and you have Detective Mills, who is Brad Pitt. Morgan Freeman, Somerset, is about to retire, whereas Mills is kind of, he just moved to this city. He's new. He's idealistic. He's fiery he's ready to get to work um and they are partnered up to investigate a series of murders inspired by the seven deadly sins um after a meeting with a fbi agent to find everyone's library rentals um they find the killer's location a chase occurs but he gets away uh they discover a few more victims and then the killer turns himself in he agrees to plead guilty if he can take Mills and Somerset to the location of the final two murders. Turns out that's not quite true. Uh, once at the location in a remote area, a delivery driver brings a box. Uh, John Doe begins to describe his admiration for Mills where, while Somerset investigates the box. In it, he finds Tracy's head, the wife of Mills, and the victim of John's envy. Mills shoots him in rage, making him the final victim of the deadly sin of wrath. And that is your movie. Good movie. <laughs> like, I always think, like, maybe I'm just, like, nostalgic for, for Seven. I'm like, I last time I watched it, I was, like, a beginning entry-level film student. Like, that's the movie now that... you're wearing a turtleneck. Yeah, that's the movie they show to everyone who's going into film school. Like, hey, you know, David Fincher's an important dude. Like, you should check out what he's doing here. And I was like, it's, it's not going to hold up. I, I was convinced this movie was not going to hold up. But man, I was just enthralled from beginning to end again. I think this movie is very strong. I agree. I hadn't seen it in years, um, but I, I love Fincher in general. And yeah. this, I feel like this is the first truly Fincher movie that mm. he made. And it's, it's still very good, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. Is this the part where we ask Joey if he liked the movie, or is that later? I always forget. I think we do it now. Joey, did you like Seven? Yes, but <laughs> not unilaterally. Okay. 
I think that's good. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's good. I, I would, if, if you gave me a binary tick box of, did, do you like Seven G? I would have to tick yes. Oh, wow. All but right. Then I would have to have like a write-in section where I can complain about 20 things. What do you, oh, okay, I guess, I mean, do we start airing complaint one? I don't, I, I, <laughs> no, 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 I, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Complaint one is, is the plague that the movie seems to have given me. Um, sorry. I don't, do we edit that out? That's sloth, actually. <laughs> is it? Man, I've been super slothy this week because I've done nothing, yeah. including watching Seven, which I did with extensive notes I'm trying to go back over now. Um, I, I feel, is this why, when did Brad Pitt get popular? This was around, was around his, yeah. this time. This was the rise of Pitt. This was the rise of Pitt because, because was... he still looks young and fun. Mm-hmm. And this... I feel like modern Pitt is like, <sighs> this is before Fight Club, right? Yeah, this is a few years. Before. Yeah, so this is like seven years in Tibet. Like Brad Pitt's like interview with a vampire. Like, oh shit, Brad Pitt's a big deal now. He's super hot. He's super dreamy, and he's a good actor. And I think this definitely is like if if he had to look back at his career at some of the most important roles he's played, I think Detective Mills would easily be on that list. For sure. What about Freeman? Where does this fall in his career arc? I think this is my favorite iteration of Morgan Freeman. For me, this is the best Freeman. I, I'm not someone who typically thinks about acting a lot when I watch movies. just not something I zero in on. But I, I find his performance so strong in this movie. And I, I think he manages to, like... Every, everyone, like, especially now in 2019 on Twitter, everyone's just like, I am exhausted. Like this year was exhausting or whatever like morgan freeman is the embodiment of that exhaustion (laughs) in like just the personification of exhaustion and i love that about his character i love that he's so close to being detached from humanity and i like that his last anchor is detective mills brad pitt's character like he's so close to just being an apathetic misanthrope but just something has him cling on. Like, my my favorite, I think my favorite character moment, and I think why it's such a good character introduction in this movie, is he's investigating the opening murder, and uh, they're going through, it was a a woman who shot her husband, Mm -hmm. and uh, they're they're checking the scene, and and he turns to one of the police who's, like, sweeping the area and says, did the kid see? He's like, well, what do you mean? Did the kid see what happened? And then the policeman, angry, just says, why the fuck do you ask these questions? That's why nobody likes working with you. Who cares if the kids saw? So good. It tells you everything you need to know about his character and how he views crimes from this filter of humanity. It's not just a crime. It is a crime against humanity to some extent. And that's why I love him so much. So much. It's good character work. But kind of fuck everyone else in the police force, right? Yeah, they're all shitty. Yeah. I would argue... Everyone of all of Between he- the guys at those scenes are like, oh, who, who cares, Morgan? Oh, I don't know. I'm just here to do my job. Get a paycheck. Or like the police the- chief who seems comically incompetent. <laughs> yeah, and the whole... The SWAT team that is so just obnoxious. They're the bro force. Yeah. And, but, but again, Morgan comments on it. He says they love this part. And they, they like the chaos. They love causing mayhem. And destruction. That seems like the type of people who I have. That's like the plays into my image of bad cops. 
Yeah, and, and I don't like, think uh, I don't think it's far off. I think Fincher's worldview, I think out of a lot of the directors that we have and will watch, is among the darkest. I believe that he believes in the worst in humanity, and it's in the worst that you find the redeeming factors, the redeeming qualities that do make us human, which is why I really like Fincher. I think he knows how to choose his scripts, and I think he knows how to bring forth that emotion with whoever's on screen and how it all unfolds. I like how you bring up stuff about um, Morgan Freeman and particularly his apathy because for me, after watching the movie, I feel like it's really a movie about him. Yeah, it absolutely mm-hmm. is. But like the whole movie is, is seems like him like being at the cusp of just irredeemable apathy and mm-hmm. then finding what he enjoys about, I guess, you know, everything, you know, work. Again. Yeah, and he, you know, he starts the film and also kind of ends it. It's definitely his story more than, I would say, Mills. And, and I wouldn't say he enjoys doing what he does, but I think there's like a duty that he feels has been thrust upon him to carry out. Because I wouldn't say he's particularly happy doing his job, but he feels like it's his responsibility. Like, he is kind of like one of the last lines of defense for humanity. Because he's nihilistic. Kinda. Yeah, I think he has a real dedication to kind of putting the work in, not necessarily, you know, enacting the change or this big wide lens of of justice or those ideas necessarily as much as just like this is the world is bad and these are the the motions I have to go through as someone who participates in this world as someone whose job it is and maybe it doesn't work but this is I'm gonna just like do my job do the work Mm -hmm. and put the labor in and that's kind of where I feel like he's he's left at the start of the film yeah I, I would agree with that for sure and, and I think that, like, especially with Mills, Mills is, I feel like, not blatantly a pet project, but he kind of becomes a pet project where he, he sees Mills do his day-to-day. Mills is Brad Pitt. He sees Mills do his day-to-day operations and, like, not doing things the way he should. And it's almost like it's a father-son relationship. And he's like, hey, you're not doing the thing you're supposed to. You're not being me. Be me. And I think there's something there that I haven't quite extrapolated, but I think he sees a lot of himself in Mills, like the young, vibrant, fiery attitude. That's funny because I see none of that in Morgan Friedman. Oh, really? No, yeah. I think he's I think he's lost it over the years. I think he used to be that well, way. Yeah, a long time ago. And I, I think that's why he kind of gets drawn to Mills to some extent. And Mills is definitely giving that new guy vibe, even though he's worked several cases just like this one. And it's not that big of a deal. And how he purposefully moved to a shitty city so that he can take the worst possible crimes imaginable. Like, he wants to prove himself. And that is so, like, just... It, it is so illustrative of the youth mentality. He's like, yeah, I don't care if it's hard. I'm going to do it. And you know what? I'm going to drag my wife into it. <laughs> and, and it's like almost disrespectful to her. Well, it is disrespectful to her to that extent. But you can understand where he's coming from. So he's not a complete asshole, even though he kind of introduces himself as such. Like, I, I think that uh, for characters especially, you can learn a lot about them 
by how they interact with characters who don't matter. And again, really good character introduction. Brad Pitt shows up to the scene of the crime for, uh, what is it, gluttony? And he has a cup of coffee for Morgan Freeman for Somerset. And Somerset refuses. And then he puts one down on the sidewalk. So one, he's littering. I, I noticed. And then the other, he thrusts a cup of coffee in the cop's hand who doesn't matter and just walks away. And I'm like, okay, I know exactly who this character is and I've worked with him before. I, so many parts of, maybe it's because they, you know, Brad is played against Morgan who is, you know, they, they have these crazy character economies, but I'm like, how could you be someone who is trying to be so serious and trying to prove themselves as worthwhile, but yet be so painfully naive or kiddish. I, I think it's cause he is a kid. Yeah. I mean, yeah, but there's a difference between being a kid and just like not following directions. Right. Or is that just all lumped into like, Oh, look at, look at this fun, playful mentality because it, it, it doesn't seem fun and playful. It just seems like, Oh, he's just objectively not as good of a police officer. And I go ahead, Cole. He he's not, but everyone knows that, and that's kind of I mean why they're partnered up and why Somerset decides to stick around through this case is is I mean even that conversation early on with the two of them and the captain where they're they're kind of just ignoring Mills until he <laughs> is really rude and kind of forces himself into the middle of the conversation. Like they know that this is someone that needs some time and some training and this partnership is kind of what he needs. He needs to be broken in. Yeah. <laughs> then in classic buddy cop scenario, they do become friends. Well, and it's not because of their natural like proximity to each other. And it, uh, this this is I think my favorite scene in the movie. They're sharing an office and Brad Pitt takes over Morgan Freeman's desk and it's like such like it's an awkward thing that's just I think accentuated so well with the wide shot that we see of the office. He's like, "Oh, do do you do you want your chair?" And he's like, "No, no, no, it's yours, it's yours." And then the cute line about the phone you inherit the phone with the office, and he speaks with his wife and his wife asks to speak to Somerset to invite him over for dinner. And at that that exact moment that Somerset is kind of brought back to Earth. He's like, again, on the fringes of humanity, and he's brought back in just enough to be like, oh, shit, I'm being an asshole. Like, Mills is a human being, and you know what? If this woman can put up with him, maybe I should try. And human, like, his wife, again, not necessarily the best as far as, like, having a, a, a female character, a woman, like, humanize the man, but I think it's done with such sincerity here that it's like, oh, I, I really, really like this. And you can see what Somerset values as well. Like, he likes that that Mills is a newlywed. And, and he likes that. It's like, oh, I, I, I've been there. You can almost, like, see him reliving memories of a previous relationship when, when that happens. And I really, really like that scene. I, th- I I am, was more of a fan of when they're actually all together in the apartment. Mm. And you can kind of see that, um, you know, they, they can just coexist and be humans outside of work. And the I think that the movie was really interesting how it handled the moments outside of the murders. Mm. 
because so, it's so night and day between you know hanging out in their apartment versus oh here we are gonna go do a, a SWAT raid. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it tells you a lot about the uh, about Mills' character. Like you learn so much about him from that scene, and he likes dogs. Well, not even that, but they, they don't have kids, and like the fact that he calls the kids dogs, the dogs kids, is like oh. He doesn't plan on having kids. <laughs> he doesn't. Which is like a really nice foreshadow, I think. And uh, then Gwyneth Paltrow. Paltrow? Paltrum? Paltrow. Paltrow. Gwyneth Paltrow. She, I think, is a very good passive character who... She doesn't want to be in that city, man. Who has agency of her own. Oh, speaking of the city, though. I love that this city is a nondescript city. It is. It, why? Why is that cool? It's like it's an well because it could be anywhere. These I mean, these but, terrible things can be happening in your city. It looks like L.A. It looks like New York. It looks like Chicago. It's very much New York. I I get more of a Detroit. Yeah, I don't get New York. I really got a all. lot of L.A. Yeah, I, I think also I, zero L.A. Part of I can take Detroit or Chicago. <laughs> zero L.A. I also think part of making it ambiguous is that you don't have any personal or positive attachment to whatever this city is. The only thing you know about this city is that it's awful and full of terrible people and raining all the time. There's no like, oh, but it's Seattle and there's all this great culture and that's where the grunge scene started. And Mm -hmm. the farmer's market there is really cool. You don't get any of that because you just know that it's a bad place. Doesn't rain that much in LA. Yeah, it's very, very just. Well, I mean, it rained like hell today. <laughs> it, it felt like I was in seven during the rain today. It was raining real hard. But yeah, I, I, I like that it can be anywhere. It can be in that alley you drive by that kind of creeps you out every time you drive by it. And, and and I like that it does seem like it can be in your back door. It is. It is fun. But I, I don't. Uh... I feel like I wouldn't have gotten that much from that particular detail if it was just like, oh, hey, they're in Detroit. I'd be like, okay, cool, they're in Detroit. Joey, how did you feel about the movie being, like, revolving around the seven deadly sins? Like, for for me, I think it's a fascinating subject. I love the idea that, like, humanity at its core has these fundamental problems with it, and they're broken down into these seven categories. And, you know, I grew up a, a Protestant, so I was pretty aware although protestants don't really study the seven deadly sins like i knew of them and like i've heard of dante's inferno i've read it and i've not read canterbury tales but like i'm aware of the you material should read, you should read canterbury tales and uh, i i just really love the conceit of the film and i think it's a fun way of taking a look like holding up a, a magnifying glass to humanity but how did you feel as someone who grew up in a in a devoutly non-religious household. <laughs> it's a funny way to put that. Um, I, I feel like I didn't get much from... Like, I, I, don't, I don't have that connection to these things being bad. Like, I understand the concept of the seven deadly sins. Mm-hmm. I understand why these are generally things in life to stray away from because they're just, like, either not cool or bad for you. Yeah. But I've never really had a personal framing device for why... Taken to them, taken to their extremes. They're so dastardly. Uh huh. So to be like, oh, hey, like, why are we, why are we shaming a fat man just for being fat because he eats a lot? Like, cool, I get it. Like, he's just not being healthy. And it's hard for me to think of a lot of, a lot of the, the sins in the context of how 
um, I guess more devout people would in in how bad they are. I'm just like, oh, dude, these are these are human traits, you know? They're uh-huh. they're not crazy things. So it feels like a like a fun framing device. Mm-hmm. I really like how it was broken up like by day and by sin, mm. and it it. It, it it makes it makes it good for for the for the plot of a serial killer because it gives you an idea of what could be happening next. Like it's a trail of breadcrumbs to follow. So I don't think of it much as in the context of like the sins, but more just as as a fun framing device for murders. Mm-hmm. How about you, Cole? Yeah, I I didn't grow up with much religion either, but I was very interested in like paradise lost and dante dante's inferno when i was a teenager so for me it was just like this a text to reference that holds a lot of reverence for a lot of people and it's mm-hmm. like you're you're invoking something really powerful and really old by um you know just using that as your reasoning for for murder whether that holds any logic logical grounds in modern society or not it's it's something that means a lot to a lot of people and is has been woven into our culture for so so long that that is kind of what gives it um its power yeah it, it almost feels like like this it's a like a crime not not in just the general sense of like oh that is a crime you murdered someone but it it feels like a legit crime against humanity like john doe feels like a demonic entity to some extent like he feels much bigger than a, an average human being to me. That that's what I remember when I first watched. I was like, "Is this dude like a monster of some sort? Like, not in a in a literal sense, a monster? Like, he just seems so menacing and so big and like like omniscient, which is what scared me the most about him." Yeah, he feels almost supernatural. The fact he's able to pull off these things that you just don't think should be able to be pulled off at all. Like you don't you don't hear stories in the real world about people dying in these ways. You but know? but you know they're they're not particularly extravagant though, which I appreciate. And I think Fincher does a the one thing Fincher like is known for is his ability to show restraint. And I think he does a very good job of not showing you the body immediately. He does it like obscured in the foreground. It's a little out of focus. It's hard to see. And there's like a slow build. Uh, the one scene in particular is the uh, the sin of lust when you find out what happened to the murdered prostitute. And I, I think it's done like editing-wise, story-wise, all the pacing. Everything is like a dance almost until the inevitable reveal, the flourish at the end. And you, again, it doesn't hold for long, but you get a flash of what happened and you're like, Oh shit, that was crazy. That was wild. And I think that's what, what Fincher really excels at. I would have wanted to see uh, a dream sequence flashback of them having sex like that. <laughs> what? You don't need <laughs> to see that. Lots of, lots of blood. Just... No. I, I, I think the scene is way more effective without showing it. Though. No, yeah. it, it, it definitely is. I, I, I like the idea that um, it, it's almost like it's too gross to show. Yeah. yeah. And, and hats off to uh, the guy in that scene. Like, his performance has always stuck with me. Like, the shaken panicked breaths like he's about to be suffocated and he's just screaming i'm like oh my god you're scaring me man (laughs) he looked like a person who wasn't well he was really good that that man deserves some sort of recognition (laughs) yeah i think it's also pretty telling that there's this movie isn't really 
gory. Like it's it's certainly violent, but it's not it's not like a saw movie. And a lot of people like it's known for people misremembering and adding in all this yeah. gore that isn't there. A lot of people feel like and remember seeing Gwyneth Paltrow's head in the box, but that's not a thing you see. And I think it's pretty telling of how uh, just effective what he chooses to show really is that it, it leaves you feeling like you saw a lot more. I, it's crazy to me how, because what, this was 92? 95. 95. Like, even even just 20 years ago, the, the difference in, ex, in what was gory versus not gory, because th- this had to have been back then, you know, pe- people were less desensitized to any of this. So yeah. they, they probably have memories of, excuse me, of it being talked up as being this crazy mm-hmm. yeah. gory thing, when in reality it almost seems timid to us now because we're used to um, an escalation of, of of the gore. Yeah, this was before really the rise of, of torture porn in mainstream horror, but I think you can see a lot of influence on those kinds of movies, and like Eli Roth movies and Saw, I think definitely pull a lot from Seven, but not necessarily the right things. I like... Um do you have a particular favorite murder scene? <laughs> the sloth is probably the one that I oh. find most upsetting that sticks with me the most. I mean, it's such a good, like, zag. You're like, mm-hmm. oh, this guy's dead. Oh, shit, he's alive. Oh, my <laughs> and that's, God. that's so much worse. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, like, I hate the cops in this movie so much. Yeah. Because they're just the shittiest. Like, oh, this look at this fucker. Ah, he deserved to die. Oh, my God. And like, then, yeah, they uh, all are ready to shoot him. Yeah. He's clearly not He's gonna not going to harm do it. you. <laughs> that's, just, that's just being preachy about cops in general, right? Yeah. I, I mean, if you have to showcase the worst of humanity in someone. Careful. Careful. It's a pretty good. Careful. It's a pretty good. Hey man, my uncle's the captain of the sheriffs. He's he's a good man. Uh-huh. But like, not not only just showcasing the shittiness of humanity, but the shittiness of someone with power. I think is something that's kind of touched on, not necessarily explored in this movie. But I, I think there's something to it. Um, but and for I like me, the little touches of sloth. Like all the uh, air fresheners and the idea that that will somehow make this body not smell like a rotting corpse. Yeah, like, I mean, how many different cars? <laughs> I mean, Where it definitely smelled. Those? It definitely smelled in that room. Uh, I, I never noticed all the syringes. I, I noticed that for the first time, like just all over the floor. I thought that was really cool. This movie looks very cool. Like even all the room, a lot of the rooms are all dark it's a fun and fun color palette. Yeah, it, it, it's it's just gross every scene even like the sanitary uh like criminal lawyer office like they look nice but there's something kind of menacing about every room in this movie which i dig yeah and even the the homes that you when you go to mill's house like there's a warmth to it and there's like there's a sense of family and you can tell that those people love each other but it's still just dirty and oppressive and poorly lit like, you just feel the world encroaching on even places that should be kind of safe havens. Yeah. How the fuck do they buy that home without knowing? Dude, five minutes. 
<laughs> they would only get shown the house five. It's the minutes. most unrealistic realtor <laughs> situation in the world. I don't. I, I don't feel between know. between the realtor being so smart to know exactly when to take someone there. I feel that like, makes sense to me that I, they would do that. And I feel like Mills is the type of dude who just wouldn't be paying attention, even though he's a detective and he should be. Like I think that's very telling of who he is. Well, sure. I mean, Gwyneth has nothing better to be doing, right? So she should <laughs> just be paying attention to this shit. <laughs> What she do? Take care of the dogs all day? <laughs> well, she's a teacher, or at least she used to be. Yeah, she, yeah, she was. Yeah. Well, she probably still was when they were looking for places. Yeah. yeah, she was still a teacher, but she's probably not teaching many kids anymore. What was your favorite murder scene? Was it Sloth? Um, I liked the idea of gluttony. Uh huh. I I think the idea of force feeding someone to death is almost comical. I think it's super. I think that's my favorite one, and I think it's very scary to think about. You just disimagine you breaking from the inside because your stomach tears or but it's not just like forced to eat like that. It's not just food. You're being fed tomato. What is it? Tomato paste or soup spaghetti. or whatever. Yeah, yeah he, spaghetti yeah. sauce. It's just spaghetti sauce, isn't it? There's there's noodles. They oh. find him face down with noodles. What a horrible way to die. Yeah, just <laughs> carb load for a full <laughs> twenty four hours. I think it's the <laughs> sauce that? that really bothers me. <laughs> like the the sauce would probably just like. The, like, that much sauce is probably, like, irritating your skin. Like, it's the, the, yeah. the acid from it. And, like, there's a lot to it that this movie doesn't go into. But, again, like, your mind is forced to think about, like, the logistics of it. Like, oh, God, you probably f- – I know exactly what he felt like because I, too, have eaten too much <laughs> pasta. I, I do <laughs> like feeling that. I, it starts to that, – that's the first murder that starts to um, – I mean, I, I guess it is the first one, but it's also really confuses me on what whole John Dole's whole plan was because it seems it, it, there's so much reliance on Morgan Freeman to be a super detective. Yeah, I mean, I think in general, if you try to trace John Doe's thought process, like he was both very lucky and planned everything <laughs> very carefully. Even like Sloth, they mentioned that he's been there for a year. Like he started this so long ago and he's able to change his plan and make it still work after they bust into his house like there's he's very lucky in many respects he's so lucky and like but that's that's crime movies though he's like he's like putting it together piece by piece and he's like oh well i guess uh uh wrath yeah okay cool or why am why am i envy okay yeah sure whatever (laughs) i did like the little touch though that the the delivery was a few minutes late and that's fine (laughs) <laughs> they mentioned that it's seven oh one, and then the delivery driver a few minutes later says, t- "I was supposed to be here exactly at 7. I think that that gives an, a nice bit of reality to it, where he wasn't like right six fifty nine in exactly sixty seconds. But all the reality is sucked right out of that scene as soon as you think about the fact that 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 helicopter and giant SWAT team just <laughs> let the van get that close in the first place. They told him to. Yeah, they, they allowed said, it. Yeah. He, yeah, he, yeah. Once they saw the van, but in a realistic scenario where they're the only people out there, there's there's no one even coming. Well, the, what if, the van is so close. They're not going to shoot it out of the street. <laughs> like they can't just launch a missile at it. And they're like, well, fuck. There's a van coming. What do we do? And well, I think in a road like that, yeah, like they're they're being they should be followed by police. I think they I should be known within miles of them. I feel like that movie was shot. That final scene was shot right outside my house growing <laughs> up because like. My house is right next my like my family's house is right next to an open field like that with the elect again it, I think it's done on purpose and again a lot of cross imagery in this movie 
that's definitely on purpose, I would say. And uh, those power lines are definitely crosses of some sort. Oh. That Dude, the power lines are sevens. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> They're sevens. Well, they, they 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 didn't dot it right, or they didn't cross them, so you're good. <laughs> they did though. Those those power like if you, if you look at the lattice, there's just a bunch of sevens everywhere. Fair, um, fair. That um, wide shot though, with all those power lines kind of layered on top of each other as the car drives towards camera, is so good and scary looking and it's mean. Very it just look, yeah. Uh, it feels like something that should be in a True Detective currently. <laughs> yeah, honestly, this feels like it'd be ripe for a true detective adaptation of some sort. And uh, honestly, like, I, not to get too far ahead of ourselves, I've always pondered the possibility of what someone inspired by John Doe's murders in a sequel. Again, this movie does not need a sequel. But if one were to happen, I think it would be an interesting, worthwhile sequel based on the concept of someone trying to follow in John Doe's footsteps. Or I want to see an alternate reality where Mills never shoots John Doe and how that mm-hmm. affects him. I think that could be a lot of fun. Loose cannon Mills over here. Bang, bang, you're dead. <laughs> My emotions are so powerful. How, how did you feel about the, the big moment, Joey? The, the moment where uh, they go to investigate after the FBI gives them the library card leak and they go to... John Doe's I house. I love the idea that back then they're like, hey guys, so, so, so the CIA and the FBI are tracking everyone's library books. Pre-Patriot Act. Yeah, no. Pre-Patriot Act. Could you imagine putting everybody who checks out the Canterbury Tales on the list? Like everybody in, in eighth grade must be a serial killer by, by these people's <laughs> logic. But I mean, like, if there's an adult who's getting like, they're probably in something's up. If, if you're reading... Dante's Inferno as a 40-year-old man. Something's not right with you to some extent. <laughs> Just <being> worldly. <laughs> I, like, I love the idea of that library having like five security guards overnight for some reason. That, that feels like a very fun, dated concept. I do like that scene quite I'm a, a bit. I'm a big fan of Morgan Freeman doing all that copying. <laughs> and then suddenly just having like one envelopes full of things to put on a desk. I like that uh, the the security guard who's just like, "How's this for worldly?" And then he plays like orchestra. I always thought that was a nice touch. Mm-hmm. And just like no a, security guard is doing that. Like a good excuse to have Morgan Freeman montage of looking at evidence set to classical music. I think that's a good diegetic. I'm an even bigger fan of Brad Pitt getting spark notes. Excuse me, clip oh, notes. Yeah. <laughs> That's a such oh, it's such a good character moment. That's good character work. That just makes me identify with Brad Pitt <laughs> more than I'd want to because I'd be like, do I read do I read all of Dante's Inferno or do I watch a YouTube video by And I love how embarrassed he is about it too. Like he hides the cliff notes from Somerset and he also just pretends to act with utter certainty he knows what he's talking about. It's it's very good. But but how did you feel about uh, the John Doe reveal? Like not not the reveal, but them at his front door and this dude walking down the hallway with groceries, suddenly opening fire on the cops. I thought it like it's I, been a while since I've seen it, and I was like, oh shit, I forgot this happened. Great. I without a doubt thought it was the worst part of the movie. Really, the chasing? The, the yes, the chasing in particular. Because I was, I watched it twice, and I was, I had zero frame of reference of 
who was where, where they was going, who was chasing who, where they were in space to each other. Really? I thought it was remarkably confusing. I think Fincher excels at this sort of thing. Like, I, I know exactly what's happening. I know exactly where they are in I relation refuse, to each other. I refuse to believe that you could, like, draw me a diagram of, of what this, this apartment looks like. It looks like just a bunch of mashed up shots where they could be anywhere at any time. No, there not, was, not at all. There's, like, zero continuity to where they're actually running after each other. I, I don't ag- agree. <laughs> I also feel like it's it's a chase scene. Like, maybe you can't draw a floor plan of the entire apartment <laughs> complex, but you know he's chasing him through an area and out into an... Like, <laughs> you understand what's happening. And, and I think, like... I thought the movie would have been so... would have been really cool if Brad Pitt died there. Oh, I think it's way better that he does it. Yeah. I love I love what, what John Doe tells him at the end. You're only alive because I allowed you to be. Oh, you know, the, because the, pay, that's the just, payoff is great. That's just getting under his... He knows exactly what kind of person Mills is to Mills' detriment, which is so good. It's like this poetic, just Greek tragedy of, of just wrath it's so good um but but i think a lesser movie in a chase scene i think lesser movies just have chase scene because action and i think that this movie uses the chase scene to continue the the character development because like you see how mills reacts in the situation and it's telling people to get the fuck back in their house and he's like kind of wild and like an uncontrolled beast of some sort like a bull in a china shop Whereas Morgan Freeman's very cool, very calm and collected, and he's kind of going door by door asking questions, but also, like, doing it with the utmost haste. Like, you get a good sense of how they react to these different high-stress situations, which, again, not a lot of movies would take the opportunity to do, but I'm glad this one does. And also, that shot where John Doe holds a gun up to his head is incredible. It's a really good shot. It's very good. Big fan of the way that looked. And then just hard cutting back to them being at their front door being like, well, what do we do now? Yeah. Oh, nothing makes me hate Mills more than that scene, though. Like everything about... A lot of things make me not like Mills, but that makes me not like him the most. Everything about that scene and everything surrounding it, him disobeying Somerset, potentially ruining everything he's working so hard to do, and then how he treats that the, the junkie in the alley like because i know how we can fix this that's and not gonna it, hold up in court and it feels so manipulative it, it is manipulative but it feels so gross and it and the thing that bothers me is that it makes mills feel like one of the other cops and yeah. i think that that's the point but it's it, it's i hate it but i love it <laughs> yeah i feel like he tries to show his his expertise and his experience by being like i know what rules i can break because i'm Mm-hmm. so good at this and i can do it my way and it'll still work out and you can see it almost break you can see it break somerset's heart too like he's very oh, di- no he keeps the door in us. he's disappointed like he doesn't even call him a, a bitch like son of a bitch he just says you son of a and he, he stops like he's like oh i'm letting my emotions get a hold of me i gotta stop that i love kevin space's interior design <laughs> but no, you mean just books? <laughs> a neon red a neon cross. Red cross in front of that weird <laughs> bed. Dude, yeah. Oh, that is a true. De- that's very true, detective. <laughs> like that. Um, I 
imagine it as like an x-ray kind of oh, window, yeah. like that light board that he just has all his little clippings attached to. How did you feel about the Kevin how did you feel about Kevin Spacey being in this movie, <laughs> Joey? Because he's not explicitly advertised, and as far as I'm aware, like he wanted to make it a point to not be advertised in the um what is it, the pr- primary cast or whatever. Yeah, he's not even he's not in the opening credits. His name isn't in there. And that he's I mean he's probably Morgan Freeman definitely got the biggest payday, but he's probably pretty close to this probably second. Man, it took me too long to realize that that was Kevin Spacey. <laughs> Why? Why? Do you know what my favorite actor Kevin Spacey is? <laughs> is it just House of Cards? It's it's old man, southern accent with hair. <laughs> and yeah, so just being like seeing seeing young anemic bald Kevin Spacey talking like he's not from South Dakota. South Dakota. Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a very funny movie. (laughs) (laughs) House of Cards, but Kevin Spacey's... But but to some extent, he looks kind of exactly the same to me. (laughs) I think there's there's shots where his body doubles there for him. Like, very blatantly on camera. Oh, really? There's totally two different Kevin Spacey's in that movie. (laughs) What about the camera, And I don't think it's never been... Like, I don't think... I don't know if I'm just trying to pay, like, hyper attention so that I can talk about stuff, but I don't think I've ever notice such a blatant switch off between uh actor and and stand-in before mm. was there a scene in particular you noticed it just when like, when know. he was uh on his knees on the ground mm. uh what was the most blatant one i think in the police station uh no 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 no, no. Uh, in the field in the oh okay okay uh did you know that the cameraman was john doe I mean, I wanted to go back and be like, is that actually Kevin Spacey who was the cameraman? I'm pretty sure it is because, like, if you listen to it, you can tell it's someone putting on. Yeah. Like, again, you don't know where it is. So it's like an amalgam of, an amalgam of like, different accents. It's like New York. It's like someone who sounds like they might be in L.A. and something else. Like Yeah, there's it's like a, a Boston-y or New yeah. Jersey. It's like, hey, watch where you're going, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I wasn't sure if Kevin Spacey was actually the cameraman or if there was a different person on, I, on set. I, I forget, though. Do they show a flashback to that scene? No. No. Good. They do not. See, that's good. Because mm-hmm. it wasn't Kevin Spacey. <laughs> 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 no, I, uh, that was... I, I, yeah, it, it took me a moment, a really hot moment, to be like, oh, that's Kevin Spacey. Oh, they, have, they didn't advertise him. Oh, that's cool. Because, because I think for most of the movie, I was waiting for it to be like, Oh, look who this obvious side character was who killed everyone. Oh. Man, it really was that that angry cop from the first scene. Or Oh, you think it was the captain? They're like, oh, it's the <laughs> captain. They're like, oh, what? Morgan Freeman's killing people now? Oh, how crazy. Is the captain the dude from uh, Full Metal Jacket? Yeah. That's yeah. him, right? Mm-hmm. My least favorite part about that captain is uh, when he's giving the briefing to everyone while walking down the stairs and out of the police station. Like, who the fuck? Yeah. Who the fuck gives a briefing like that on the move or not everyone can... They're, like, talking about important raid information. Yeah. And My... he's like, let me do this while walking down the stairs. 
my favorite moment of him is when he's sitting at that desk when they're talking about the connection oh. between gluttony and greed and the phone rings and without drawing attention to it or like stopping the scene at all like the rhythm is just keeps going the whole time he just answers the phone and says this isn't even my desk and just hangs up <laughs> and they just keep going <laughs> <laughs> it's i i la- i lolled during that part because it's just not only is it just excellent writing but it's also just like I can see these characters like <laughs> I can. It's a believable moment. Yeah. And I, I yeah I truly believe it. Yeah. I think all the humor in this movie is so good and quiet and not drawn attention to, and it's just like a funny look across a table or something like mm-hmm. that. And it's just like that is organic. That is what happens. Where even if you're investigating like really brutal, horrible serial killers, weird, funny moments still pop up. They always will. I like Morgan Freeman being mad at his metronome. <laughs> Which is also definitely symbolic of him not being apathetic anymore. But just the idea of like him throwing it um, across the room was probably the thing that I laughed at the most. <laughs> that, that and the spark notes and just the comical amounts of rain. <laughs> the rain's what got you? Yeah, something about the rain. I'm just like, man, someone has stock in a rain machine. <laughs> Because there's no need for this much rain ever. Yeah, I can't imagine. And they shot that in L.A. Like, they didn't do any... They didn't go to some location that's a lot more overcast and dreary. They just they just dumped rain all wow. over the place in L.A. It does look it almost made, fake, though. Mm-hmm. It does. It, the rain machines do not hold up very well, let me <laughs> tell you. Um, I liked... I, the, the whole time I was I was trying to think about why why Coral was was telling me that all of Heavy Rain was just like seven, and I, <laughs> and I genuinely think that miscolored some of my um, what I thought was gonna happen in the movie, mm. because I'm like, oh, I'm just expecting this to be like this weird proto Heavy Rain plot, but then after taking a step back, I'm like, okay, now I see why Coral says that these are mostly <laughs> the same things. See that's what notwithstanding David... the heavy rain, the quite literal <laughs> yeah. heavy rain. See that's what David Cage is counting on that no gamer has ever watched <laughs> Seven. <laughs> Connor and like Blade Runner, right? Detroit is yeah. just Blade Runner. Blade Runner, cool. <laughs> just like tent poles of of genre film. <laughs> <laughs> One day Nick's gonna finish playing Detroit, and we're gonna talk about it on the podcast. <laughs> um, I really liked thinking about what. John Doe's morning was like. <laughs> yeah. Just his routine or what? No, 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 no. Like the day that he turned himself into the police. Yeah. Just just walk me through what he had to do that day. Because that night he goes and he goes and chops the nose off a celebrity lady. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. And then he goes to uh Brad Pitt's apartment, yeah. waits him to leave. Does whatever the fuck he does in his apartment, kills his wife. Yeah. Find someone who is gonna ship this container <laughs> on a last minute's notice. Oh, well, for five hundred bucks, I would probably ship whatever's in a box. Five hundred bucks, I'll, I'll drive it out he in the middle of nowhere. He still had to do the logistics of getting that to a to a delivery man, <laughs> right? And then somehow find a cab who's gonna take all him and all of his bloody clothes <laughs> to the police station. I didn't think about that. <laughs> and turn himself in. That motherfucker had a really crazy ten hours. Yeah, and he cut his fingertips off. Yeah. Like just some or his fingerprints off. I think it's real I, I think it was really fun to see all the foreshadowing that happens in the opening credit scene, like mm-hmm. with, with, with the with the fingernail shavings. And the foreshadowing that happens also with the um talking about the uh the uh, you know Hey, you ever pull your gun out? Yeah. Smash I've it only too. done it. 
Yeah, I've never I've never pulled it out with the intention of using it or whatever. Um, 30 seconds later, bang, bang, bang. <laughs> um, I, you touched on something that I think is of like vital importance, especially to Fincher, is the art of the title sequence. Um, I, I actually wrote a pretty extensive paper like in, in an auteur study class, and um, I think that one of Fincher's signatures is a title sequence. And usually that's handed off to uh, another production house or just another person, period. But Fincher kind of prides himself on working alongside the the visual effects and the graphics team to put together title sequences, and it all comes from his background as a music video director. And and it, if you look at any one of his music videos, they're essentially music videos that tell the story. They they sum, they summarize the entire events of the film in thirty seconds to a minute and a half, and they do it beautifully. And in a way that's not blatantly obvious. You look at the girl with the dragon tattoo. You look at this. You look at Fight Club. You see a lot of it. The only one that this doesn't really uh, hold true to is Panic Room. Mm -hmm. And Panic Room, I would argue, is his most blockbuster movie without any real substance. But like every single one of his other movies, his title sequences matter. And they will tell you exactly what you need to know about the movie, which I think is really rad. And that the opening song is, dude. That's I, a closer remix, right? Yeah. the The first mm. thing I noticed about the movie was like, oh, that's Nine Inch Nails. Like, like, <laughs> like that. Like, without even, it, 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 I think, uh, I, I might be wrong about this. So I might fact check this. But I'm pretty sure that you don't actually know that it's a closer remix until like a minute into it. Yeah, I didn't. I definitely didn't. I, I, I'm not familiar with Nine Inch Nails, but... But, I mean, I'm not, like, some crazy Trent Reznor person, but I, I recognized instantly that that was, like, a, like, a, like a Trent Reznor doing, mm-hmm. and then I'm like, okay, this is really setting a certain tone, which I thought was really cool. Yeah, it's interesting, too, and the, the credit song is David Bowie, I think, and those are mm-hmm. both such, uh, I would say, like, notable pop culture references in a movie that really avoids any kind of pop culture reference where you don't, even the sense of time, like it's definitely set in the, in the, in 95, but there's like, there's typewriters and Mm. everyone's just kind of dressed in like a frumpy suit. All that, like there's not a lot of cultural markers in that movie. So to bookend it with two like very notable pop culture figures is interesting. Fincher does really like Nine Inch Nails. Yeah. He works with them quite a bit. Well, I think that he's actually just, good friends with Trent Reznor. Yeah, I think so, too. Is, uh... he, also, the, the girl with the dragon tattoos opening sequence is another Trent Reznor Atticus Finch or something. Is that what it is? Yeah. I, yeah, like, that's a really, really good opening. But yeah. that's besides the point. But yeah, <laughs> that, that music just placed me so much into the world and, like, the tone instantly. I thought that, that was really cool. Because, that... it, because the imagery could be a little confusing. Mm-hmm. But but the but the song is like oh hey this is this is what this is yeah he's good at he's good at setting your expectation from the beginning that that's what Fincher's really good at how do we touch we should just touch on this because I I really like this I didn't know this about the movie Coral mm-hmm. about the ending being changed oh yeah um, well, even before that, uh, this is the first movie Fincher directed after Aliens 3, which was notoriously 
bad. Bad and a bad filming experience as well. It was his first movie. That was his first movie, right? I think it might have been his... Alien 3? Second? Um, I don't remember exactly. I think it's his first. Okay. Um, And he actually, he was like, I'm not doing movies ever again. This was awful. I'm going back to music videos until he got this this script. And uh, he was accidentally sent an early version of the script that included the head in the box ending. But before he was sent it, the script had been changed. The uh, New Line Cinema did not like that ending and they wanted something more traditional for like a thriller cop chase kind of movie. And they revised the script. They just sent him the wrong version. And once he agreed to do it, the producer team was like, no, this is not the ending we wanted. I'm so sorry you got that. We have to take it in a different direction. And he just... Uh, refused to do that film without the head in the box original ending. What was supposed to happen? They, I can't imagine this movie unfolding any other way. The script he was supposed to get Morgan had a very had a very traditional ending where um, it was still John Doe, but there's there's a chase and there's cross cutting between like oh he's going after Tracy, he's gonna kill her, and Tracy's like taking a bath and like oh no, and they're trying oh, to get to my. her in time, and they don't quite get it, and it was something along those like very a very obvious how do you adapt the ending that we have to oh. a lesser movie, and then they they tried a couple different compromises, and Fincher just refused one of the compromises, which they thought would be less dark, I feel like maybe more dark would be to have one of Mills dog's head in the box instead of his <laughs> wife's head in the box. Wait, you think that's, that's more better. dark? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, a, that's a human. <laughs> yes, that's certainly darker in the real world, a human, but, you know, everyone talks about a, a dog death being worse than a human death. It's just a strange, like, how do we compromise between these, oh, I know, a dog head. <laughs> just if, a strange... Brad killed, if Brad killed him in cold blood for a dog head, <laughs> then it would just be like, Dude, you really like this dog. <laughs> you used to ruin your life because the dude murdered your dog. What the fuck? What happens? Okay, that's one thing that I've always asked and I've never actually bothered to like research myself. Is Mills in trouble for what Very he did? Very much trouble. Yeah, I th- I mean, <laughs> you see him in the back of a, a squad. Car. I thought it was like a like, hey man, you can't drive. Like, <laughs> I gotta we gotta take you home. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, no, he's no. certainly doesn't have a job or a family anymore so yeah i imagine that he lost his job but can he face like oh you're gonna go to jail you're going he's to the clink he's a murderer oh. yeah man what a shitty if end I, for that character in a good way though like yeah. man if i kill coral you don't get to just kill me to yeah but coral. It, it, coral didn't kill your wife but doesn't matter <laughs> that's not how that works it's a murderer surely he can get off like dude he killed my wife and put her head in a box. Yeah, it was well, at the very least be a crime of passion. <laughs> He'll be go fine. Easy on him. Morgan Freeman, and well, that's why he was trying to get everyone to go away. He's yeah. like, please, no one, cop, copter, go, leave. Yeah. Leave but, by. like, at that point, it's like, why are you running, homie? You got to get back in that car and drive over <laughs> there. <laughs> yeah, I was also annoyed by that. <laughs> but I get it, though. Like, I think it, it. I'm also annoyed by just Morgan opening the box in the first place. Why? <laughs> That's just not safe, dude. <laughs> I feel like he didn't have to worry about bombs yeah, in a box back then. He and he. If they you know, did. They said, let's call the bomb squad. Yeah, but that's the shitty SWAT team that doesn't know what they're doing as an investigative team. Also, how did the person delivering the thing not notice, like, blood on the box? <laughs> like, what? How, how oblivious do you have to be to deliver someone's head in a box? Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, this really rattles weird. It's no heavy. Wrap. It's very heavy. <laughs> I mean, if it's not packaged properly, we don't know how it was packaged. It would just bleed through the cardboard. Yeah, that's probably, it if, probably had a plastic lining. I figured it had plastic lining. I would assume that John Doe would have drained the head mm. of any blood. Do you, do you That's got to be time-consuming. Time? We already went over how crazy his morning was. Do you <laughs> think he had time to also drain the head out of the, well, the, no, the blood the, of the, the head? The, uh, when he gave himself up, it was like late afternoon because by the time the movie ends, the sun barely sets. Yeah. It's been a long time driving. Mm. Oh, and how good is that last line? That, uh, that Hemingway that, quote? That Hemingway, the world is a, what is it? The, the world is a fine place and worth fighting for. I agree with the second part. Yeah. It's perfect. That is yeah. everything you need to know about Somerset. And also what the like what you should take away from the movie. Yeah. I think it's like the world is a horrible place. It just is. But that doesn't mean it's not worth it, you know? Like I I really really enjoy the message of this movie. Well, yeah. the message is don't be apathetic. Yeah. Like like kind of in a, in a blanket way. Like mm-hmm. just don't yeah. Don't like care about something, please. Apathy is But don't care about something so much you just kill someone in blind rage and ruin your life. <laughs> do, do you think John Doe was actually envious of Mill's life? No, no. it felt so casual. Like he just needed but to he, make his It felt like like a like an edge lord who was like <laughs> The but end. it felt it felt true to the character though because like oh this is gonna be good yeah. <laughs> like oh I know how to get him. <laughs> the end was so sloppy. I of, I in disagree terms of, in, in terms of John Doe oh, trying like to piece together and the logistics. His, yeah, it's like oh well I guess this is I know I've been playing this for a very long time. I've taken a lot of notes that I write <laughs> very lots of books with very small handwriting, but. Yeah, no, yeah, I'll, I'll just be envy, and then you'll be wrath, and then ah, the other person will just be, yeah, whatever. Okay, I cool. always thought pride was a seven deadly sin. I, I, like, for some reason, always continue to think that Mill's deadly sin was pride. Mm. Because I, he's a very prideful person throughout the entire movie. I like that they wrote them on the chalkboard in the police office in, like, <laughs> no crossed, discernible order. And they crossed them off. <laughs> and they're like, oh, well, like, they know that wrath is going to be number seven. Like, well, like, what a weird thing to... But, like, okay, how do you extrapolate that into a murder? Like, all murders technically are wrath to some extent. So, like, what is someone who dedicates murders, like, very specific? How does he portray wrath? Like, oh, shit, we didn't even think about that. It's really good, dude. (laughs) I do like what he says in the cop car where he's like, people are going to, like, research or study what I've done. And I think that's like a jab at our like fascination with serial killers. Period. Like people are obsessed with them. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree with that. Serial I, killers I as that, pop stars. I think that uh, Spacey had a really cool speech in the car because I, I can be like, yeah, you're right, dude. Okay, yeah, cool. <laughs> I get it. I get it. I understand where you're coming from. You're right about most of this stuff. Yeah, I feel like Fincher also, but has a lot of commonalities with John Doe and just the the attention to detail and the the weird coldness towards the subjects and mm-hmm. I, I feel like Fincher approaches directing very similar to how Doe approaches murder. <laughs> yeah, I, I completely agree. <laughs> On every David Fincher set, there has to be a lot of um, car air fresheners. The, the, the line that really bothers me about John Doe is when they're reading his journals and he was it's like a day in the life of John Doe. He's like, oh, a dude spoke to me on the subway today. Yeah. He was talking to me and I was so bored, bored by his drivel that I just threw up on him without realizing it. And I thought it was the funniest thing in the world. It's like, oh, my God. Yeah, that, that upset me a lot. It really bothered me. Dude, serial killers 
are just around us. <laughs> These people exist. Uh, You've probably walked into a Walmart and been like t- brushing shoulders with a John Doe. <laughs> yeah, maybe not that level. That's a pretty crazy. You, you haven't been vomited on by anybody recently. <laughs> yeah, that too. <laughs> Is there a world where you can follow up like a, an original murder case like this movie and do something? that's as good like is there anything that can be better that's not a true crime story i i, I don't know and i i don't know if that's just me being like i really like this movie but like this is a really good script <laughs> like a really good script from beginning to end like how do you how I does someone like do this, better than this? i feel like this could have been stronger if it had the benefit of being eight hours and not two really yeah Oh wow, I, I disagree. Yeah. I think this movie is the perfect length. It it wastes no time. I, I think it is just an excellent example of good screenwriting. Like if you want to write for film and TV, you need to read the script for seven. Like it's just excellent. Compact. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Character yeah. arcs, development, just oh oh. You get brief vital information about Somerset when he like has all of his, his tools and his necessities for the day laid out perfectly. He picks them up. He goes to one crime scene briefly. He says that line about did the kids see, and then instantly you're at the first homicide scene. Mm. And, and the credits roll like less than two minutes after the final gunshot. Pacing, it's, pacing, yeah. pacing, pacing. Oh, masterclass stuff. I, I got to see who, who wrote this so I can see what else they, they've written because hopefully it's just as good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised you haven't uh, delved into that yet. No, nah, I, I always forget to do stuff like that. I uh, saw the writer's name, but I didn't remember it, and it wasn't anything. It wasn't a name that I definitely recognized mm. as a screenwriter. But, I mean, you did say this movie went through several revisions, so it's possible that it's just, like, a couple people. It did, but I, th- I think that it... It pretty much ended where it began. Oh, good. The studio was not happy with what it was as it started, but Fincher really God, fought for it. studios are so dumb. Yeah. Studios are so dumb. They also, just fun fact, they tried to get Sylvester Stallone to play Mills and Al Pacino to play Somerset. Oh. I just truly can't imagine this movie, movie with this cast. I feel like uh, my mom would have liked the movie more in that sense. Oh, I'm excited just... for our next recommendation then. <laughs> <laughs> The thought of having Sylvester Stallone in any of those roles. Yeah. I, I couldn't imagine what that movie no. would be. Having them in the scene with, with the police chief would just take such a different such a different tone. Or I can't imagine Stallone trying to pull off Brad Pitt's face acting. <laughs> <laughs> imagine him in the car as he's talking to John Doe. Or just like that him alternating between crying and rage and like almost dropping the gun and aiming it again. I can't imagine Stallone's face trying to make those faces. They would have just been filmed differently. Yeah, he couldn't have done it. I don't think he could pull it off. That would have just been a wide shot the entire time. Ugh. And Al Pacino is fine, but I think Freeman's natural like warmth and charisma really is necessary for this role. Yeah, <laughs> Pacino does not have it. Pacino doesn't strike me as a particularly sympathetic dude. No. <laughs> Apathetic, for sure. <laughs> so, Joey, out of all the movies we've seen thus far, where are you putting seven? Uh... 
I'm sorry, my butt hurts. Um, you can leave that in there for full context. <laughs> That'll make sense to some people. Um, I, I, th- I think. I, 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 it's, it's, it's really hard because it's either number one or number two. Um, I feel like as more time goes by, the more that I appreciate the thing post-mortem. Mm. Um, but I, I think just adding in the joy of watching and, and the pleasure of the movie up front, I think that it is the best movie you've made me watch so far. Uh, I take that back. The one that I've enjoyed the most. Great, we're making progress. Then. This is good. This is good. Do do. This is do, good. Are, are you happy with that? I, I feel like Coral was concerned that I wasn't gonna like it, or I think you were purposefully weird about this movie mm-hmm. just to throw us off your scent. No, I don't <laughs> think I'm being purposefully weird. I think I think that I no, be, no, like you mentioned the other day, you were like. That was a movie. Yeah. I was like, oh, that, he wants us to think he didn't like it. That's cute. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. I mean, in conversations outside of it, what do I say? Like, how do I just give a neutral? I mean, most people don't come out of a movie and go, that was a movie. <laughs> it's like, motherfucker, yeah, it was a movie. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, what should I say? Like, hey, I watched it. Uh, yeah. We'll talk about it later. Yeah, that's or... one of those things, too. I feel like I'm not going to ask you what you thought of the movie. because yeah, There's no conversation to be had. <laughs> so, so, so that was a movie. It's just a, it's just a, it's just an affirmation that I watched it. <laughs> I wasn't gonna be like, yeah, man, I watched. And also, I didn't know who the fuck Kevin Spacey was. Also, <laughs> there was a lot of things that I really wanted to nitpick. Like, how the fuck did they those little plastic shavings? Man, I'm so mad about this. Those was, was metal, metallic, right? Yeah. Are what? you just mad that he Found had him? to assume the detective would figure all that out? Yes. I mean, I feel like you probably moved the fridge. I'm like, oh, the dude died by food. Where do you put food? Fridge. Let's check the fridge. Oh, wait, what's up with... I feel like there's a natural, like, eventually they would have found it. Yeah, and even if they didn't find the the pieces in his stomach, they would have just looked at the floor and saw, oh, someone clearly dragged this fridge across the floor. Maybe we should. John Doe's murders were done in a way that it didn't necessitate the plot of the movie. The plot of the movie kicks in when a detective notices the murders because John Doe was just waiting for this essentially to, he was waiting for one of his first murders to get caught. That's when this movie starts. Mm-hmm. And I, I, cause like, again, he was willing to continually maintain that man's life. Like the, the sloth guy, he was ready to do that for a while until yeah. like someone kicked off the first step of his plan. That, that knife dildo suit. That was a custom job. That probably took some time to get it made. <laughs> Yeah, but he probably had it on standby. No, the, when they no, went oh, to the, they went to the shop, he's like, "Yeah, fresh. he picked it up." Yeah, that's true. Up. True. Mm, nice <laughs> dildo thing. What a good murder device. Very it's scary. Very, very bad. <laughs> I couldn't even imagine. But yeah, just the the, the whole the whole slot scene was like, uh, or the whole Glenny scene was like, ah, <laughs> why are there so many bugs? He's been here for a while. <laughs> Also, they put the Do Not Investigate sticker on the inside of the door. Oh. <laughs> I, I, didn't, I didn't think about that. It's got a little, got a little fun Joey nitpicking. <laughs> I guess it's not continuity. No, nah, I would just thought maybe like a... I don't know. Maybe, maybe I, could, I don't know enough about police procedure. No one puts a sticker saying Do Not Enter on the inside of a door to block a door jam. <laughs> That's in, how the fuck do they get out? Like, <laughs> I don't know. Exactly. <laughs> Maybe they exited through the other door. 
lot, lot, a lot of little things, but overall, I had, I had fun. I feel like it's the thing that I haven't hated Brad Pitt in that I've seen him, even though I just based don't like his character. You don't like Brad Pitt? I don't think I like. It. I, I'm trying to think of any other Brad Pitt movies that I liked Brad Pitt in, and, and this might be the best one. You didn't like Inglorious Bastards. Yeah, I guess it's up there. <laughs> I think there. I think '90s Brad Pitt is probably that's my better favorite Brad, Brad Pitt. Pitt. Yeah. I think it, I think Brad Pitt stopped being my Brad Pitt after Mr. and Mrs. Smith. I was like, mm. that, this is your last go, Brad Pitt. Benjamin Button didn't. <laughs> no, he just looked like a weird old man. Yeah, I mean, Fight Club Brad Pitt is my favorite. That's, yeah, that's Brad the hottest Brad Pitt yeah. for sure. Mm. I don't know. Cliff Notes Bad Brad Pitt. <laughs> should we make our next recommendation? I guess we should. I've been racking my brain trying to think of something that I think Joey would enjoy, but also something I want to challenge myself and maybe you, Coral, because I feel like uh, this next choice of mine is one that neither of us has seen or seen in a really long time. Oh, boy. And I'm kind of nervous to make this suggestion, but I think my gut is telling me it's the right one. Initially, I wanted to do Michael Mann's Heat, but I've decided to pivot to Michael Mann's Collateral because people look back at that movie and say, it's just perfect it's and it is just and i i I watched collateral in the theater with my mom when i was like 10 years old i don't remember anything about it other than jamie fox and tom cruise yeah but apparently it's this fantastic piece of filmmaking so that is i love heat i think i i trust michael mann so i i think i am Mm. going to choose collateral what if what if I've seen Collateral? You've seen Collateral? <laughs> have you really? I think I have. With Tom Cruise and Jamie Foxx? I, I have to look it up. <laughs> if you have, then we'll just watch Heat, which is very fun. <laughs> I, I think I'm... <laughs> what a weird-ass movie for you to have seen, Joey. <laughs> yeah, maybe this is why we should talk about this ahead of time. Oh, I think I'm thinking of something different. Okay. Well, what did you think you were thinking of? You, there's, a, there's a BBC4 show called, called Collateral that I have seen. Oh, okay. That'll no, be... I, I, I haven't... I, I don't think I've ever seen anything with Jada Pinkett Smith in it, so... Okay. Oh, Mark Ruffalo. Yeah, I, I don't remember anything about this movie. Again, I watched it because my mom was like, Tom Cruise is in this. Let's go watch it. <laughs> That's so weird. I have never seen it. Yeah, it's supposed to be good. I don't know. I maybe the people are lying to me, <laughs> but uh, nevertheless, I I think it'll be a worth because everyone's seen Heat except Joey. <laughs> I haven't seen Heat. Oh shit! Maybe we should watch Heat. <laughs> There's been a lot of I I I feel like we just created homework for a lot of people. Oh man, Heat or Collateral? I can't choose. We're doing Collateral. Collateral, it is. But you should really watch Heat, Cole. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I think that's like. You and Adam would just, I think, would really have a good time with, with Heat. Good Al Pacino and Heat. Oh, boy. 
Like, I think Al Pacino, <laughs> Al Pacino's character is on coke, but I also think Al Pacino was on coke during that movie. Probably. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever enjoyed an Al Pacino performance. <laughs> he's very entertaining in Heat. <laughs> he's shitty, but he's very entertaining. Yeah. So, yeah. Our next movie for Joey Hates Movies is Michael Mann's Collateral. It's supposed to be good. Hopefully it is. If not, then we're going to have a fun time next week <laughs> or whenever we watch this. Tom Cruise? Yeah. How do you feel about Tom Cruise, Joey? I guess I'll get to solve the Tom Cruise or Brad Pitt debate. He's pretty hot in Collateral. I remember he, him looking like a fox. Neither of them are as good as Leonardo DiCaprio. Hot take. It's oh. a different category of man. Leonardo DiCaprio is has yeah. never been attractive to me. <sighs> ever. Maybe did when you, he was you, wearing shoulder pads in Romeo plus Juliet. watch Romeo plus Juliet? Yeah. I don't know. That's a stretch. Even Titanic. No. Not, <laughs> no. Not my type of dude. The hottest Leo was in Django. What? No. <laughs> <laughs> Joey just has a thing for slave owners. <laughs> His face just gets rounder and rounder. Yeah. But that makes me think he's also attainable to some extent. Like, I could probably be with that. <laughs> Please stop. Thank you for listening to Joey Hates Movies. Make sure you do your homework. And then... Yeah, make, do your fucking homework, dogs. And then leave us five-star reviews because yeah, this is Yeah, we're not even be, on the fucking... On, on the iTunes yet, but we're gonna be. We're gonna be real soon. You bet those fucking five-star... Give us the five-star reviews. Five star, bump us up to the top. You're gonna hit all those fucking five-stars. I know you're gonna hit those five-stars. If we get... Dude, if we get ad reads, we got to do like two of these a week. Dude, oh man. <laughs> if we get ad reads, we got to do more podcasts. I got to watch more movies. I think this is an old lady who smokes a lot. That's, that's, where, that's good. where the voice is going, honey. Okay, bye. Okay, <laughs> bye, everybody. I can't wait to see you soon. You're so cute. We are rolling. <clears throat> rolling. Um, rolling. 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 What? Nothing. I mean, the video doesn't really go anywhere, right? So do you need the picture in picture? Makes me feel good. Feels like I'm a part of the conversation. Because I'm not going to turn around and look at you guys. You can look at computer monitor. That means I have to look at the back of your head for an hour. It's all good. Oh, I need to. I you need should to have headphones. Should I? Probably. Yeah, especially if you're holding a mic, so you're aware if you start to tilt it away. Oh, you know what? That's a great. That's a great note. I need to. I need to find a position that's gonna <laughs> not be bad for a while. Okay. Think this is gonna be okay? I'm not a hundred percent sure. We might, we might have to. I might have to move mid, midstream. Maybe. Okay. Do you think you're good? <clears throat> I 
think I'm good. Uh, you know what? Now I'm getting I'm getting too in my head about it. I don't if, think I'm getting well, now if you we sound get like quiet. ten minutes in and we need to hold for a minute, that's fine too. We don't need to do this all in one shot. Okay. Coral, go ahead and count one more time. One, well, I mean, two, three, four, five. Good. I was just talking quieter than I was earlier. This is this is probably. I'm gonna probably be talking like this. This is my voice and the story of a girl You're good. who ride a river and drown the whole world. And why she looks so sad in photographs. It's because she was crying a lot. What band was that? Oh. <laughs> I listened it's to like, a whole podcast about this song, and I don't remember it's who like, it was. Um, the, the name isn't even like Story of a Girl. It's called like Absolutely. Yeah. Because he says, I absolutely love her. When she smiles. What a shitty song. <laughs> Because he only loves her when she smiles, or because yeah. it's a bad song. It's uh, nine days. Never would have gotten there. <laughs> that's the name of the band. Yeah. Also, just look at that guy's. That's the thumbnail. Yeah, he's ugly. He's married to that girl, though, right? Oh, that's sad. <laughs> I mean, not when she smiles. How <laughs> 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 many days in a year? But <sighs> if she drowned the whole world, why are we still here? Did you heat up your pizza, Nick, and then not eat it? I bought groceries before I got here, and I feel like that pizza was okay, but I don't want to just feel bad tonight, so I'm going to eat my salmon because I'm going to feel better after I eat it. But that means I have to put up with you cooking salmon, one, and two, then, I mean, should I eat the pizza? Yeah, you can eat the pizza. Do you want me to give it to you? I mean, well, now it's like a weird... I mean, I mean, I guess we can just waste the pizza. I mean, I was going to throw it away, but you can have it if you want. Hmm... You know what? I don't need it. <laughs> I don't need it. I'm a better person. New year, new me. <laughs> How late into the year can you say that? You, I think today's the last day. It's <laughs> <laughs> right? a January only. No, don't date the podcast. <laughs> We're approaching the last couple hours that I can even do that even. As I look at how ugly I am on this camera. Okay, right in the mic, right in my mouth. I'm really, I'm going to keep on eating it. Um, hey, everybody. You want to talk about a movie? Yeah. All right. Well. 